she's always been popular with the people. Like, she's the Princess Diana of the Catholic Church. She's the people's princess. I'm Anne McNamee Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed, a podcast about growing up Catholic. And today we're talking about Mary, Mother of God. That Mary, in case you were confused. And we didn't know which Mary. I mean, there are several pretty important Marys in the Bible. So, right. But this one's going to be good because this episode will come out close to the feast day of the Immaculate Conception on December 8th. Oh, is that when that is? So we're like perfectly. We did this on purpose. It's totally on purpose. We didn't just decide we were going to do this. No. Right. This has been one we keep saying we want to talk about. Right. Because I think it's a huge difference in this religion than almost all the others. So I wanted to sort of touch on it for those who might be listening, being like, so what's up with the Mary thing? And those who were raised in it and also were like, but Okay, so why do we love Mary so much? Yeah. So yeah, here we are trying to discover all that. But before we get into that... Before we get into that, a reminder to everyone to please follow us on social media. Yes. Lapsed Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, Twitter. Thank you for those of you who have been reaching out in those ways. It's just great to hear from folks. It makes us so happy. It really does. I had a couple people in my life DM me after they listened to our last episode and say, I too picked Cecilia based on the song. Well, yes, me too. And we had people comment that, that they chose Cecilia. I think Cecilia is a hit. It's a popular one. I really want to like look into some stats on this. I don't know where I can find it, but I want stats. <laughs> I could just do a poll on uh, on Instagram. Yes. Is your confirmation name Cecilia? Yes or no? <laughs> I Love feel it. like we'll get a weird number of yeses. Yes. Cecilia. Who knew? So I know for sure that my great-grandmother, one of her sisters, was named Cecilia, mm-hmm. who I never met. She died before I was born, even though a lot of her siblings were living up until a couple years ago. But I believe Auntie Sis, her name was Cecilia, and I think she was the only one who got piano lessons, I believe, because of the patron saint of music. So that <laughs> entitled her to piano wow. lessons. The only one. Is there anyone named Christopher that got like, you know, travel <laughs> lessons? Like what? I don't think anyone else got those. <laughs> maybe. Like, maybe there were other saint privileges. I love but. that as a parenting criteria. You get this because of your name. Because of your namesake. I don't know mm-hmm. what would Mary get. That's a... Who? <laughs> You get everything. Everything, yeah. The favorite is named Mary. There was no Mary in that family. (laughs) All right. Oh, Catholicism in the news. What's happening in the world, Anne? So one headline that I think has been pretty big floating around is that the French Catholic Church uh, says it will compensate sex abuse victims. Oh. Yeah. The Bishop's Conference president says, we felt disgust and horror inside us when we realized how much suffering so many people had lived and were still living, which like, Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes, you should. Again, bar low. It sounds like they're going to be selling real estate in order to create this fund, but they have not said how much they are paying and how 
it will happen just that they are they talked about an institutional responsibility i mean i think this sort of speaks to like the very for like a global organization the way in which the addressing of this awfulness Mm -hmm. has been so like piecemeal it really mm-hmm. has not been something universal. It's like still going on and you still see different dioceses figuring it out and not right. not doing enough and addressing it really late. And It's good. They should be making some sort of reparations. Yeah. But it's always, it's just interesting to me that, I mean, it just feels like somehow still a lack of accountability to be doing it financially for some reason. I don't know why that feels that way to me, but financially is always necessary in these situations. Right. But it's like, we felt disgust and horror inside of us when we realized how much suffering so many people had lived like because of you though. <laughs> Wasn't like something that you happened and you're like, I feel bad about it. So I'm donating. Yeah. Like, your system did this, so like that's kind of what part of your statement needs to be. Yes, there's no accountability, right? Yeah. As a institution, they need to be taking responsibility, and there needs to be an apology. It's just like, oh my gosh, yeah. we're so horrified when we heard about this horrible thing. There's no, I mean, I didn't, I guess I could look back at the full statement, but right. yeah, that's just what this continues to feel like, is like there's not an actual accountability for like, it's our fault and then right. we continue to hide it and then here's what we're doing to fix it like both monetarily and also here's how we're like changing the system so this doesn't happen again that's what i want to see yeah so there's that mm-hmm. next news item the catholic bishops approved a document <laughs> that has to do with this whole communion thing i saw a bit of this you know they've been so wavery about I mean, the subtext is has been for so many bishops, it seems, is like, yeah, we want to be able to deny Biden communion right. uh, because he won't outlaw abortion. But then, you know, they sort of backtracked and were like, no, this is really just a statement about, like, Catholics recognizing the importance of the Eucharist. Right. Which just feels kind of BS. I was driving around and NPR was on because it's always on in my car. Sure. And... All of a sudden, I was like, American Catholic bishops. And now that we're doing this podcast, I was like, oh, crank it up. What? <laughs> <laughs> Who have we become? It's like, tell me more, NPR. <laughs> it was a few interviews, very short ones. But one was uh, some leader of thought in the Catholic Church basically saying, this is the thing. Like, if you're not allowed to have communion because you believe that people should have access to abortion and that goes against Catholic law, That's one thing, but then you have to sort of go across the board with it. You have to start denying Catholics who are pro-death penalty. You have to start denying Catholics who are pro-divorce, pro-divorce, who cheat on their spouses. Like you have, you you have to go through it. And how are you, where does it stop? And then at what point do you have anyone taking the Eucharist? Right. And you've said this before, if you want to keep people close to the church, pushing them away (laughs) doesn't do that. It doesn't keep you close to their teachings. And then they had two interviews with women in America who are practicing Catholics. And one basically was just like this whole abortion access thing is ridiculous because she's like, I am pro-life, but like actual pro-life, you know, like Mm -hmm. right to healthcare, right? Like all this stuff. And this other woman who's actually anti-abortion Catholic was still like, no, we shouldn't be talking about this because we're further pushing people away. So even she was like, this is ridiculous and the Catholic church should not be 
the bishop should leave this alone. Yeah. So it's just like, it seems pretty clear across America. Everyone's like, could you just shut up for a while? Like pick a real issue? Particularly with Catholic bishops. It's like, okay, so let's find an issue that affects me zero Mm -hmm. because I'm a celibate man. I don't have a uterus. I've theoretically never had sex, never had the opportunity to get someone pregnant, never had a family, never had to deal with the complications of a, a pregnancy and of, of my partner. And as we learned from Kay, probably don't have any debt because you can't have debt going into the church or something. Yes, like- right? Yeah. <laughs> have never had to figure out how I'm going to feed my family, let alone even have any debt to like paying off student loans. So it's just like a very convenient way to try to control women's bodies and yeah shake your finger at other people and not have to be accountable for things like I don't know how you aided and abetted like child sex abuse right yeah so the statement that they came out with in the end it's a draft of the document the only line that sort of the sort of watered down version of the whole Biden communion thing there's Mm -hmm. a line in it that says lay people who exercise some form of public authority have Mm -hmm. a special responsibility to embody church teaching in their service of the common good So that line is in there. Okay. So it's only for people in power? Yeah. Lay people with a a form of public authority. I mean, is that also true for like non-lay people? Because all these bishops have a lot of authority. Are they embodying church teaching all the time? Right? (laughs) All the time? No. Uh, Anyway, so the bishops who maybe wanted to get a line in there about denying communion, that's sort of the watered down mm. version they got but otherwise it does not uh directly address denying communion doesn't say it, it takes kind of like up to every bishop's choice or something i don't know i guess i'll have to read the full thing once it is officially released but um I thought it says something like maybe everyone gets to choose it's like states rights or something but for bishops hmm. we know how well that goes <laughs> <laughs> We know when we talk states' rights, that's always talking about wonderful things uh-huh. uh, and not just a coded language for, I want to be able to oppress people. Right. So that's that's that. Uh, uh-huh. I have one piece of what I would say is, uh, I'm not going to call it positive, but <laughs> more heartwarming maybe okay. news, even though it has to do with tragedy. So hello, I'm a nerd. And so I, even before this podcast, I follow the Sisters of Mercy of the Americas, like on their Aww. social media. Mm-hmm. The Sisters of Mercy ran my high school and they had a lovely post on November 20th for Transgender Day of Remembrance, Oh, which is a somber day, but it was a really beautiful post. And so they had this whole statement about standing with those in the margins. And then they gave these sort of how we can pray, we can listen, and we can act. And so for Mm -hmm. we can pray, they talked about doing a litany of names of transgender people who have been killed, um, examining our own inherent biases and homophobic ideas for listening, which I so appreciate when people talk about listening. Mm-hmm. I really do. Taking the time to read and hear the stories of transgender people. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know what this was. It says becoming more educated on LGBTQ plus issues and attending, it said SOGI events, which I didn't know what that was, but apparently it's a Sisters of Mercy thing. Oh. It's called, it's their sexual orientation and gender identity work group. Oh, hey. Yeah, which is like a mix of sisters and also lay people. They have, Sisters of Mercy has like, Mercy Corps, like sort of like a volunteer, kind of like AmeriCorps, but like Catholic-y. 
mm-hmm. you know, like kind of a <laughs> young people volunteering kind of a thing. So I think it's a lot of alumni and people who like lay people who have been involved with the Sisters of Mercy. They linked to a conversation with an LGBTQ sister mm-hmm. who talks about ministering to queer people and then realizing like as she got older that she herself is queer. Is she allowed to stay? Yeah. She gets to remain a nun. She is, as long as she's celibate, she's allowed to remain a nun. That's what I thought the general rule is, isn't it? Yes. And actually, the church is like, hey, if you want, if you're gay, just become a religious because. And then don't practice who you are. <laughs> right. And then never have a partner. Not right. because that's what you're choosing, but because that's your only option. Mm-hmm. But they link to an interview with an LGBTQ sister. And then they talk about acting with like, we stand against bigotry and hatred, promote peace and inclusion, show up at pride parades and LGBTQ events. Um, it says condemn heterosexist or homophobic language and continue to practice radical wisdom as Jesus taught us. Hell yeah. I'm into it. I mean, I feel like that's really what that letter from the bishop should have been about, like listing these things for LGBTQ plus people, but like also everybody let's like get to know people, listen, advocate for, be kind (laughs) as opposed to let's judge some more. Let's tell you what you're supposed to do. Yeah. It's a very interesting, I mean, certainly this is not the case across the board, but I think looking at a statement from the bishops who are dudes versus like this, group of sisters who are women Mm -hmm. and the sort of telling you what to do versus inviting you to listen and contemplate and stand with right I mean I'm seeing a pretty (laughs) seeing a difference between those two and obviously there are priests who are speaking for standing with LGBTQ folks and there are certainly conservative sisters and nuns out there. So not to say that that's always the case, but it's just looking at these two groups within the Catholic Church. It's interesting, the differences Mm -hmm. there. So that's my news. That's what I've got this week. But on the weightier side, but I think, you know, doing Catholicism in the news does that. It really does. Um, Okay, you want to talk about Mary? Let's get into it. I'm ready. So as I mentioned, I really wanted to talk about this because... I feel like this is a very defining factor of Catholicism. And I was curious about Mary and why so uniquely Catholic are Mary veneration. But also, yes, because I was was wondering if anyone was listening that is married to a Catholic and was like, what's with the deal? I thought this could be a great thing to put in our podcast to have. If someone asks you what's with Catholics and Mary, you just let them listen to this episode and there you go. Give them some some kind of context. So, do you have any like memories of Mary or experiences of Mary as a kid or I mean, I think the main thing is like up until I was like a teenager, I took for granted that Mary was a big deal. Right. It did not occur to me that that was uniquely Catholic. As we've discussed, my whole world was Catholic. I didn't really know any non-Catholic Christians. The first prayers I remember learning is the Our Father, which I know other places called the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Our Father because that's how it starts. And the other one is? Hail Mary. Do you still know it? Oh, yeah. Do you want me to say it? Yeah, I want to hear it. (laughs) Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I like the rhythm of that one. Yes, it's got an excellent rhythm, and I just, I was, as I was saying it, I was like, do I say this in one breath? I do. I take one breath, 
and then you spit out the whole thing. We don't talk about the meaning of the words because then I just memorized it. And this is the thing that I memorized. Yeah. Well, especially if you're play- praying a rosary, you like you're going mm-hmm. one after another. You just got to right. get through them. I loved sounds as a kid at church, mm-hmm. like the way words rang out. Mm-hmm. And I always loved the hour of hour. Yeah. Oh, that is a good one. I was like, hour of hour. And I was like, oh, do it again, everybody. I like the way it sounds. Well, and like one of the first things I learned in French class was how to say the Hail Mary in French. Yeah, the French love, I mean, Notre Dame is like one of the biggest churches. Yeah, they're big into Mary there. Yeah. I have a memory of in first grade asking our nun teacher, it was a big topic of conversation, what color to color all the various like biblical figures so like what Mm. color should mary be which everyone was like blue she should always be wearing blue always be blue yeah so it was always the blue crayon for coloring mary but then there was constant discussion about so whenever there was a holy person Mm. depicted there's that halo around their head Mm -hmm. there's like a halo drawn around their head and so there was always a halo drawn around her head it was never like a normal part like you could tell it was mary because there was a circle around her head She had a big old circle so it was like, what color do you color the halo? And there was like the head covering that she actually wore. And then there was a halo and halos aren't real. So there was just like constant debate. And we had a elderly nun who she deserved retirement at that point. She was still teaching first graders. <laughs> and she was weird about colors because I've talked to multiple people who had her as a first grade teacher. She thought pigs were brown. What? I actually wonder if she was colorblind or something. She thought pigs were brown and she would get angry at us when we like colored our pigs pink. And it was. I mean, they get muddy. Yeah, but they're pink. I mean, they're most of them are, or like in a book. That's so funny that she would get upset at a first grader. She was like, "Why are you all coloring your pigs pink?" Like she thought it was a conspiracy amongst first graders. Instead of like, okay, if we all think pigs are pink, like, oh, sister, maybe like you need to ask another adult. Maybe what are color? Yeah, are pigs? like she may actually may have been colorblind. <laughs> now I think about it. Anyway, so like. I just remember, should we ask sister what color to color the halo? But also, like, sister's always wrong about colors, so she might be wrong about Mary's halo. I mean, that was before, like, the good colors, right? Oh, yeah. This was just basic. There was no, like, tickle me pink or we just had the the basic colors. Oh, man. no gold and bronze. One of these moments where you're like, when I was a kid, we only had 12 colors of crayon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just... I remember my maternal grandma having lots of Mary imagery around. Mm -hmm. I remember like May crowning being a big thing Mm -hmm. where we crown Mary. We put a crown of flowers on her in May Mm -hmm. and we sing, oh, Mary, we crown thee with blossoms today. Queen of the angels, queen of the May. Mary's the queen of a lot of things. Queen of heaven. Queen. I mean, she is. Yeah. Queen of martyrs. Queen. Star of the sea. Star of the sea. I don't even know why. I don't know that one. Oh, it's a thing. And it was a parish near me. And I just recently read it somewhere. The Portuguese, I believe, in doing my research, like named her the, like she was the queen of navigators or the Mary of navigators. That might have something to do with that. I don't understand. Or Our Lady of. My grandmother moved to a suburb called Chicago Ridge and the church she went to was called our lady of the ridge and i was like is it just because of chicago ridge or is that like referring to a different ridge did she show up there i don't know did she show up at a different ridge that's usually what it is right like our lady of fatima our lady of lords i'm wondering did she show up at a different ridge and then they took it because they're like we are also a ridge (laughs) we claim her all those names our lady of perpetual such and such sorrow 
I don't understand what those are about, and I like never asked. I didn't get into that, so I don't have any answers for you right now. We'll do a deep dive into that because it's weird, isn't it? Our Lady of Perpetual Sorrow gets me. (laughs) (laughs) And that you would just like say it casually then, right? Yes. Like. Oh yeah, that's just the name of a church. Yeah, I'm going to Our Lady of Fatima was a local is a local church here, and I I just said it. It was like one word, Our Lady of Fatima, and I didn't. It took me forever to figure. Like, oh, it's Our Lady is the Mary that showed up at Fatima. Who's the like, lady? Who's lady? Why do I have a lady? It's all like, confusing. It's all nuts. Yeah. So I it wasn't until I was like a teenager, right. and some guy at like a I think I told this story before, but there was a young guy reading a Bible while I was getting my oil changed and I was asked him about his Bible, which don't do that. But I didn't know yet. I didn't know you shouldn't do that unless you want to get proselytized too. But he was very nice. But he did ask me, why are Catholics so into Mary when I told him I was Catholic? And I was like, are we? Are we into Mary? Are you not into Mary? We're into Mary. I guess we are. I didn't even know. What was your experience with Mary? I mean, very similarly, I she was just part of it. And like, even though I only a CCD kid. Don't say only stuff. <laughs> as far I didn't go to other people's churches. As far as I knew, everyone's church was what our church was. Right. You know, so. Except for the one Lutheran church where you said well, that they were all going to hell. <laughs> not getting into heaven over here. <laughs> That's why. And that was the last time I went out. <laughs> like, we're going to keep Stephanie in Catholic churches from now on. Because she does. She's not good for the world. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, di- I didn't. I was just like, yeah, Mary's there always in her blue. Always blue. I mean, I, I, it was not really even until doing this research that I put it all together that like the rosary is for Mary. I did know that. And it's uniquely sort of feminine. Yeah. Like I knew I did. For those of you who don't know, you got your 10 beads, <laughs> you go around in a circle. It's like an Our Father at the beginning. Ten Hail Marys interrupted by a glory bee. A glory bee. And you bee. end with an act of contrition, I believe. Oh, do you? From, you start with an Our Father and end with an act of contrition. But it's all Mary all the way around. It's all Mary. And my grandmother did novenas. Do you know what a no, like, have you know novena? I know novenas are a thing, but I, like, forget what they are because I didn't I really do them. I mean, from what my grandma did versus what I looked up, I'm not sure they were the same <laughs> thing. But, like. Sometimes this stuff has morphed a little by the time it gets to. Somebody. Yeah, right. Well, grandma made up her own rules anyway. Like, for, according to her, if you're 50 miles away from home, whatever you gave up during Lent didn't count. <laughs> so, Ooh. I love that rule. Gotta be 50 miles or more away from home, and then it doesn't count anymore. It's very geolocated. But uh, it's basically a set of nine prayers. Like, it's usually nine days, or like maybe some fasting involved, or over nine weeks. And it's all about Mary. Oh, okay. It's the veneration of Mary. So like there's like multiple sets of prayers that are Mary centric, way more so than Jesus for us. It feels like in my adult life, I've gotten to know some Christians who are sort of like just they call themselves Christians, not a particular Protestantism. Yeah, it's like the non-denominational. And when I've gone to those things, I mean, Jesus is like huge there. Yeah. Jesus is a big deal. Everything is Jesus. Jesus fever. And I'm just like, it weirds me out. It yeah. like, honestly does because I'm just like, well, I don't talk about Jesus as much. I mean, the Catholics, you talk about Jesus every mass, obviously, because you're reading a gospel. And he's always hanging above you, literally. Right. On the cross. And I feel like the homily is usually about Jesus 
because it's like about the gospel but yeah the like fandom stuff is more mary saints you have a whole plethora of folks to choose from but mary's like up there yeah mary she's just sort of omnipresent which is sort of her thing as i was delving into it so the first thing i looked into was like what's the deal with other religions and mary so i didn't go deep deep into it for mormons that's this one got me so basically i mean again these are cursory things i'm sorry i really am not out to offend anyone and i'm sure i'm gonna mess some stuff up but sure these are not a deep delve into world religions no the big deal about mary there's like her big four things and i will get into that the marian dogmas i don't know if you knew that phrase no. but the four marian dogmas is that one she's the mother of god two immaculate conception three her perpetual virginity and four her assumption her whole body went up to heaven those are like the dogmas in the catholic church but basically so because of those big things like that's why we love her so much Mm -hmm. so mormons i did not know this this blew my mind they believe in a like corporeal god like god is flesh and blood okay God also has a wife. Yes. So if God gets Mary pregnant, one is led to believe he had sex with Mary. Oh, like physical sex. Like Zeus. (laughs) I mean, there's many other myths in various cultures that have to do with like a virgin birth. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they said Mormons mostly don't talk about this these days because it kind of weirds people out because also all people are the children of god so then you know weird uh, no one wants to think about parents and no. sex even if but, it's even right. if it's mary this is from like a huff post article i was reading so okay. but basically so mary's not that holy then she actually had physical sex with god right so like that knocks her down a notch I guess. So that's part of the reason they don't mm. totally get into her. Okay. In Islam, they totally believe in, like, they love Mary, think she's great. I have heard that. There's stuff written about her in the Quran, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, love Mary. Who doesn't? But the perpetual virginity thing is their issue because in Islam, there's a real strong value on, like, wives and mothers. So, like, mm-hmm. stopping at one child purposefully who's not, like, a like a holy virtue yeah so that was like that didn't jive for them and so then there's the protestants oh those protestants basically considered the whole catholic love of mary is just like generally excessive and uh that was i saw that multiple points that's in quotes is excessive all right guys tone it down we know we got it just a lot which is really funny because i found in catholicism the marian veneration is called hyperdulia mm. dulia is the word for veneration it's not worship everyone's very clear we're not worshiping which means we're not breaking the commandment this is not an idol <laughs> it's just we're just fans but veneration is for a saint like is dulia right. but mary gets hyperdulia <laughs> hyper extra dulia <laughs> so the protestants aren't wrong <laughs> Catholics do like Mary a lot. They just do. And they're like, no. They say she just takes away from Jesus's whole sheen. And basically, they call her Saint Mary. Like, they're like, you're Mm. a saint. That's fine. You can go be a saint. And we're like, saint's not good enough for her. She's everybody's mom. Right. And then for Judaism, this, okay, 
this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but I have to include it because I just love it. Okay. For Judaism, basically, they don't believe in original sin. Like, that you're not born with original sin. So the whole immaculate conception thing is out of the window there. Right. The idea that Mary was born without original sin. And also not believing that Jesus is actually son of God. Right. Is the other part. But yeah, so I sort of went on a rabbit hole. We'll have to go into this another time. So original sin. Okay. <laughs> Do you know how you get original sin, Anne? I mean, no. I think by just being born. Am I wrong about that? Well, who's to say? But um, <laughs> around the fourth century, there was a, a theologist named Augustine of Hippo. Okay. I'm not sure where Hippo is. is that like but, Saint um, Augustine? Is that like he's one of the Saint Augustines? One. Yes. Okay. There's like multiple ones. But sure. He's Saint Augustine of Hippo. You don't run across a lot of Augustines these days, I have to say. So he had a lot of issues with um, how much sex he wanted to have. Okay. As one does. It wasn't like conducive to how holy he wanted to be. So like some people even call him, he's may have been a sex addict. Oh, there's a whole, there, he's fascinating. I won't go into his whole story. But basically he wrote, and this is the first time it was written for Catholic theology of original sin. Fourth century, not mm. in the Bible, really. The concept, the words original sin um, passed down. It's passed through the semen. You get it oh. through men's semen. <laughs> So along with the chromosome and, and DNA, yep. half your DNA, you get your original sin. That's how you get your original sin. It's still the woman's fault, though, because... I was just going to say, wait a minute, we're letting women off the hook for something that never happened. No, 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 no. Because erections, since they don't happen, um, they're uncontrolled by men. They are expressions of lust and sin. And it's usually a woman's fault for being, you know alive unless it's a man's fault <laughs> we're not la 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 <laughs> we don't talk about that so basically again she's holy because she never had sex she never had a man's semen <sighs> great so that's really <laughs> and that doesn't give anyone any complexes at all the obsession with virginity no I just love, like, people were sitting down and, like, let's see. Mm, definitely. Like, they wrote doctrine on this. This is where time was spent. <laughs> I was thinking about this for today's episode because I was thinking about the obsession with virginity. Because Catholics are also the only ones, I think, or maybe Orthodox, too. I don't know. Um, that Mary never had sex in her whole life. Right. That's her perpetual virginity. Right. Versus Protestants who are, like, no, after she had Jesus, she, like was married right. to joseph i was thinking about the obsession with virginity and how stupid it is and that as a child this is something i was thinking about like as a child it was like the virgin mary so she was often described as the virgin mary oh she's all she's the virgin mary and i didn't i just thought that was like just like jesus christ i just thought it was like her name right and i wasn't like what's a virgin it's just interesting as a kid how you just like yes yeah, sure whatever because i didn't know what sex was but like it didn't mm -mm. matter to me or the whole idea that she was like Somehow he was born to a virgin. You're like, okay. Sure. That I like didn't know what that meant as a child. But also the whole stupid construct of virginity. Like there is no mm -hmm. other act where we're like other I guess there's like marriage. There aren't very many acts where you're like, once you do the thing, you are called something different. Like the first time I rock climb, it's not like I am a so and so because I've never rock right. climbed. And then once I rock climb, I am no longer that thing. You're a whole other person. I'm no longer the thing. Like we don't have other titles for people who haven't done something, but 
penetrative sex, specifically penetrative sex Uh that could theoretically get one pregnant, that like changes your status or like the thing that you are. And that's so dumb. It's so dumb. And from pure to impure. Yeah. Yet also you're supposed to have children. Yet also it's like, like, so you have to because once you're married. Also feels real good. Like, come on. Don't tell me this is bad and it feels good. Right. It must be bad then. You must be bad and impure because sex. So. I mean, but also it's like really focused on women. Oh, very much. Even though men can be virgins or not, the virginity stuff is so much around women. I actually read another article I read recently about Catholicism had to do, I'll link it in the show notes. So it had to do with someone was talking to her Catholic mom when she was elderly and found out that there was a portion of time in her parents' marriage where they were living a Mary and Joseph marriage, which means they did not have sex what? because they got married. And then at some point they had not annulled mar- his previous marriage was not annulled in the church. And so then it was like, we're living in sin because you're technically still married to this other woman. And so a priest what? advised them to have a sexless marriage. It's it's like a it's some kind of Mary and Joseph marriage that is theoretically allowed in these special circumstances where you can live without having sex to your spouse. And it's the only correct way to live. You're not annulled. My face is frozen in the horror. <laughs> and then he I eventually can't. got the annulment. And so they like, so it was literally like she had a memory of her parents like getting separate beds or moving to separate rooms and then eventually coming back. That makes me so sad. And that is weird, right? Like marriage is supposed to be all about conceiving children, but then we have the mother who never had sex in her life. It's, a lot for a child to take in when we're learning about all these things. I'm like, I just don't know. Especially when we don't know what sex is. <laughs> right. Right. We don't even know what sex. We have not gotten like our talk yet. And then we're just saying the word virgin. Like it's nobody's business. Yeah. Like, and there's no sex ed. Well, we talked about sex ed. Like that's not helpful. <laughs> As we know. Yeah. So yeah. So this, the Mary stuff there is definitely with so, Catholics, like an obsession with our virginity, the Virgin Mary. Okay. So it's really interesting for a few reasons one of which is multiple times in the bible there are mentions of jesus's siblings yeah right and so the catholics twist their whole brains around (laughs) trying to like name it most people say that joseph part of the reason they had a sexless marriage is joseph was supposed to be super old and had Mm -hmm. been married before and had kids from that oh so maybe half siblings based on nothing they just made that up they're like that's what happened okay so i'm gonna get into this but basically everything about mary has no basis in the bible which catholics are totally fine with and a lot of this does has to feels a lot of like assimilation from different probably pagan religions sure which i'm into right because she's she's always been popular with the people like She's the Princess Diana of the Catholic Mm -hmm. Church. Oh, yeah. She's the people's princess. That's an excellent comparison. Yeah. Like politicians are like, I'm not doing so well in the polls. I'm just going to like talk about Mary for a while. I know everyone loves me. Is really what happened. So Mm -hmm. I was going into the history of her, but I mean, basically in the third century, Eastern Orthodox, what became Eastern Orthodoxy before there was like the schism, those thought leaders were basically trying to name Mary. I guess. And they came up with this term. Let's see if I can pronounce it. It's like Theotokos. It's 
I think, Greek. Mm. Um, but it's basically parent of God. They got them to thinking, like, parent of God. So, like, who could possibly be a parent of a God? And so that's when her they sort of, like, we need to come up with a good enough reason for her. Like, there's got to mm. be something very special about her. So that's, like, when this all got going. It was around the third century. Okay. And that's about when the first prayer to her originates. And it's called Under Your Protection. And that's really her theme. Like, all... The things about Mary are like, she will protect you. She will intercede on your behalf. She will mm-hmm. come and help you. Mm-hmm. She's a big, like, helper. Yeah. And basically kind of stayed there until the Renaissance when people found art. And all of a sudden they're like, ooh, I want to paint a lady <laughs> is really what happened. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden that's when, the, like, the art took off. Everyone's like, ooh, blue's a color. I didn't know about blue. That was the whole thing, as I mm-hmm. recall from my art history classes. The discovery of blue. Yes, because there was lapis lazuli, which is like the weirdest word to say. They didn't have blue. and They discovered that they could grind it to make a blue pigment. And it was a very Mm -hmm. big deal in the art world. So, yeah, they started drawing her. And, of course, that's because they were Europeans. She got blonde hair at some point, too. White Lady Mary Mm -hmm. in the Middle East. There were a couple monasteries that are dedicated to her. Like the Benedictines are all about Mary. And they came about in the Middle Ages. But it was really what happened was the Protestants, the Protestant Reformation happened, and they were like, "Mary, we, why are you talking about Mary?" And the Catholics just decided to double down on Mary, like it wasn't really in there too much before. And all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh, you don't like it? We love her. <laughs> we love Mary. What are you even talking about?" <laughs> so yeah, that's like about after, like during the Protestant Reformation, there's like all this like Catholics like, "Yeah, Mary, Mary, Mary." Honestly, it's kind of how I've been feeling about Dolly Parton. Like, (laughs) what? Tell me more. You know, Dolly Parton, I was just like, I didn't really have strong feelings about her. And then lately, she's been kind of progressive about some things. And then the right wingers are like angry. And they're like, we're kind of pissed at Dolly. And I'm like, I freaking love Dolly. And suddenly I love Dolly Parton because the other people don't like her. (laughs) Because the other people are down on Dolly. You're like, no, I love Dolly. (laughs) I feel like I can relate to that. I love it. Yeah, and then she and then she started showing up for people. You may have heard of Lords or Fatima. People oh yeah, were seeing her everywhere. Isn't there like an oil stain in a viaduct in Chicago that um, people were saying looked like I believe so. Mary? Yeah, because I remember like biking past when I lived in the city and seeing all these flowers and candles in front of this yeah. oil stain, and I was like. I mean, it kind of does look like the Virgin Mary. Is it a miracle? You know, it's hard to say. Hard to say. But people find miracles where they want. Right. I understand this sounds crazy, but when I was living in India, (laughs) (laughs) when I was living in India, I got butted by a bull in the street, which was scary. Yes, it was scary. That does sound crazy. I was living in Varanasi. There's cows and bulls and buffaloes just walk around and I was crossing this little street and there was like a I don't know like a car and like a rickshaw and anyway I got kind of stuck I couldn't move in traffic and the bull was trying to get by and so he got angry and butted me and I was terrifying but he just did it once and then I ran away did it hurt yeah it did hurt but it didn't uh break the skin I had a bruise and I was with my good friend Holly we were in it was my third time in India her first time and we got back to our room and I was looking at it and I was like I'm going to sound like a real Catholic right now, but don't you think this bruise kind of looks like the Virgin Mary? Yes, Anne. <laughs> it did. It did. Do you have a picture of it? No. This was oh, before smartphones. I didn't have it. Didn't you have like a disposable way. camera? I probably had a digital camera with me 
but actually holly had a very nice camera i don't think i was ready to pose for that photo of a mary bruise on my thigh you could be a saint right now (laughs) it's better to just live in my brain than believe that it was the virgin mary oh fair enough anyway i would like someone to make an artistic depiction of this bruise (laughs) (laughs) sorry for that tangent so she showed up to everybody and the popes again like i was saying just like every time they were like oh we need to get some fervor going they're just like here's a new feast day here's a new day she has days all over the year it's kind of nuts how many days are merry days yeah you're right it's december 8th is the feast of her immaculate conception january 1st is merry day i guess august 15th is the assumption day december 12th is our lady of guadalupe day all right. Like, so one. May 13th is Fatima. May 31st is Visitation of the Blessed Mary. I don't know which of those is the crowning day. May crowning. Yeah, I don't know. Queen of Peace, Star of the Sea, Mother of All Sorrows. I mean, she's got it all. She's got it all going You're naming on. parishes and schools at this point. I'm like, <laughs> I know that one. I know that one. But So basically it comes down to her four dogmas that I talked about. So Mother of God, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Yes. She gave birth to Jesus. Son of God, Jesus Christ. And okay, I'm going to have some quizzes for you, but here's your first question. Do you remember which angel told her? It's Gabriel, right? Yes. You ding, okay. ding, 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 ding. You got it. Yay, okay, good job. I did it. It's my advent quiz. The next one, number two, is the Immaculate Conception, but you already named it. Yes. So it's not that Jesus was immaculately conceived, as I thought for 25 years of my life. As most people think, I think. It is Mary that is immaculately conceived. So here's question number two for you, Anne. Who okay. is Mary's mother? It's Anne or Anna. Yeah, or Anna or Anna. Uh-huh. Yeah, Hannah, um, realistically, Hannah, if, we're yeah. being, if we're being... If we're being... she was... Right. She, correct. Authentic. People's names were um, not Anne or Anna. So, no. Anne. <laughs> Anne of... <laughs> And with an E. Yes, I only know that one because it is my name. Right. So I thought you might. Right. So she was some, her and her husband couldn't have sex either for some reason. <laughs> um, no one's having sex. And they're like, Mary will be given to you without sex. Oh, wait. So Mary was conceived without sex too? I saw that a couple places. I also saw that argued the other way. Okay. So maybe. But basically she was born without original sin. And if we go back to the whole semen thing. Oh. (laughs) People just want Mary to have nothing to do with sex. Right. Because the idea that a mother figure. It's so gross. Could ever (laughs) have had anything to do with sex. Grosses us out so much that we just need to believe that there is a supreme perfect mother who didn't have sex. It wasn't even conceived by sex. Oh, because yeah, it's just icky to think about. Yeah. (laughs) completely separate moms and sex even though that's the way that one conceives a child right but thomas aquinas who you know famous catholic sure he was one of the churches we went to. i think virginia when i lived in virginia we went to church but okay. that was the saint thomas aquinas church so i know that one pretty well but he objected to mary being immaculately conceived pretty famously i guess mm. he said if she was free from original sin at her conception then there's no need of jesus like if she's already she's basically proto jesus right well that's exciting so he was like this is really you can't do it so guess when it became dogma was it that lateran council a little bit earlier okay don't know like 1854 no that's not so in terms of like 
Mary being around for that long, not that long ago. No. It's like way after the Protestant Reformation. Like way yeah, after no. I mean, if this. we're taking the long view of like 2,000 years, then no, not that long ago at all. It happened like yesterday. So it's kind of funny. Again, there's no proof of this, of her immaculate conception. And they just sort of decided it. And it was Pope Pius the Ninth that did it. And again, he probably did it to gain points because he's like, oh, let's do something more for Mary. One more in the bucket for Mary. Then the third one is her perpetual virginity, which we've talked about. And like Protestants were sort of on board with like Muslims, which is just like rejecting further motherhood is not good. Yeah. So they don't care for that one. That one was dogma pretty early, though, which is interesting considering that there's siblings in the Bible, like named brothers and unnamed sisters. It's really weird. And especially considering Catholicism, like marriage is so tied to openness to children. And the idea that Mary, who was the ultimate mother, was not open to children and refused to have or refused to or just, I don't know. Did they decide? Right? Was it a mutual decision? Yeah, no, I'm too holy to have sex. Who knows? I don't know. She's just like, I don't really care for Joseph, but this is what I have to do. I don't know. And then the fourth one has uh, the assumption, which is like, not only is her soul in heaven, her whole friggin' body is. Yes, and which again, the only other person like that is Jesus. Is Jesus. So again, people who don't want her to be conflated with Jesus are super upset about that one. Again, there's no evidence for this at all. Oh, there isn't. In any writing. I didn't know. No. Well, okay. So there's a couple times that Mary... This is going to come up again in a moment, but there's some, I mean, these are the two quotes I found that were part of the reason it became, okay, what, first of all, when was this made dogma, Anne? Was it also in the 1800s? No, but it was also by one of the Piuses. No, I don't remember. Pius the 12th in 1950. Oh, that is real recent. What? In my dad's lifetime. Well, that's nutty. The assumption became dogma. I mean, there's this thing in Catholicism <laughs> where everyone pretends like all of it is very old. Right. You know, because it's just there's the incense and the robes and the church that's very old. And then you say the thing and you're like, well, that must also be very old. But in fact, it's not all very old. I would have thought this was from the beginning. If you told me these decisions were getting made in my father's lifetime. In the 50s? In 1950. I guess people were just like, sweet, I love Mary. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, they're like, great. So these are his proof, I guess, in his paper he wrote about it. So one is the Book of Revelations, which I feel like as Catholics, we just don't really... We're not that into that one. We don't do the Revelations. We don't do Judgment Day. No. But this is the quote. It speaks of a woman clothed with the sun who escapes the dragon by fleeing into the wilderness to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. And that might be a reference to her immortality. Uh, That's one. And the other one is (laughs) Psalm 132. See if you can make sense of this. I've read this sentence 90 times. I don't understand it. Okay. Psalm 132. It's a psalm commemorating the return of the Ark of God to Jerusalem and lamenting its loss. And the second half of the psalm says that the loss will be recompensed in the new covenant. And so it is hopefully prayed, arise, O Lord, into thy resting place, thou and the Ark, which thou hast sanctified. So is Mary the Ark? I think she's supposed to be conflated with the Ark. So what they did was they came up with a thing and then they literally read poetry and said, we're going to interpret this. to That's, that's wacky. That, that's in paper, papal papers. 
by papayas, papal papers by papayas. <laughs> Good thing you like got the- that pop filter today, Steph. Right? <laughs> I mean, this is, oh, just, just feel like people are spending too much time holed up in weird rooms with each other. And it's never talked about in that way, as we've discussed, like when you're learning this as a child, it's all given the same weight. It's all given the same weight, like the Last Supper versus Mary being, I I had assumed up until now that that was in the Bible somewhere. Have I read it? No. No, we don't do that. We don't read the Bible. So I just trusted everybody that this stuff was all in the Bible because it's all... it's all presented to us in our religion textbook in the same way. And then we color a picture and then there it is. Yes. I mean, I've heard recently I was listening to something and they're like, you know, the church is an ancient institution. So expecting it to be able to like react to the world in modern ways is not, I don't know. It was just basically like, don't expect so much of the church to be progressive because it's an ancient institution. I'm Mm -hmm. like, not that ancient, frankly, 1950 to say the, I just grew up thinking the assumption was a thing. Me too. So here's a big question that is not answered. Okay. That people debate. I'm curious what you think. Do you think she died before she was assumed? Oh. Or do you think she was up there alive in immortal? I think I just have images in my mind of pictures of it, which she looked like alive. So she was very alive. Not like a yeah, a zombie. No. Not even like crucified jesus or something where she looks no. like out of it because like way. we know jesus died but then he was brought back and then he assumed so he's yeah alive ish up there i mean people just here's the thing catholicism just grew in a lot of places where people had goddesses and they wanted to keep them that way and so yeah. these i think these mythologies around like a sort of godlike mary kind of uh grew and then at some point the church had to justify them i mean is that seems like maybe that's what's happening that's a lot of it like again so a lot of it has to go to the god of the old testament was real mean right not a nice dude Uh, and i say dude because it's always he in the bible it's he yes although i also my understanding too is that like the way christians Catholics and all Christians kind of look at the Old Testament as like different than the way that like Jewish scholars look at the Hebrew Bible, which right. is like it's not really meant to be taken literally in the same way. And it's more it's to publishing. be it's like, yes, it's meant to be grappled with and discussed rather than like this is who God was. And it's an is. active document is what I understand mm-hmm. in that religion. Yeah. But so for us, we have God who's like judgy and Jesus who was much more about forgiveness and all of that, but is also, you know, went through a lot um, and is kind of busy. And so Mary was all about being kind and taking care. Like, I feel like Jesus was so busy being the popular savior dude, like Mm -hmm. that Mary is what everyone sort of was like, I need comfort. Who's going to comfort me? Jesus might give me a lecture. God will tell me I'm wrong and I need someone to comfort me. So they like went to Mary. Yeah, that makes sense. And because Mary's considered the intercessor. I don't know if you've heard that phrase. The idea of like interceding. Yes. She's the big, and she's supposed to like advocate for the people to like Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Which brings us back to something that you brought up in the guardian angel episode, which is like, does that mean the guardian angel is like arguing with God that like God wanted right. something and the guardian angel is like, wait, 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 no, which wait. just makes everything feel very like Greek mythology, right? Like yes. Zeus said this, but then Athena wanted this. And that's what like, that's what it sort of reduces the grand 
questions that we have in our lifetime of like why things happen it sort of reduces this to this like quibbling (laughs) that's happening in heaven that's what it feels like well if if there's interceding like what is happening at those intercessions i mean that just brings a lot of questions but i think it's like in people's moments of need of like i'm sick or my loved one is sick or you know there's a car accident like it feels accessible to just say I'm gonna pray to Mary and she's gonna help me and so you're not even thinking about like or the saint specialist yeah (laughs) the saint assigned to that particular situation and you're not thinking about I mean I don't think people are thinking about this like what does this mean about what God wants for me versus like you're just going to the thing of like I don't know how this thing works I'm just gonna pray because that's the only power I have here and I think going back to like the people's princess she was not God Right. Yeah. Jesus is God. God is God. So she's not. So she is like of the people. So I think in a lot of ways more accessible. Mm-hmm. She's also like, and this is something I feel like we could really dig into is she was all about humility and hum- like people always, she's not prideful and she's often depicted humbly. Mm-hmm. So like, whereas God's, you know, busy creating worlds. And Jesus is saving everybody and turning, you know, multiplying the fishes. She's like, I'm just here. And that sort of like goes into the subjugation of women as being less scary to approach or something. Well, and it's so funny because, you know, I think the thing that we oddly don't talk about in Catholicism as much is the the Magnificat, which do you know what that is? Ooh, tell me more. So it's in the book of Luke, Gospel of Luke, one forty six to 55. It's where when Mary is visiting Elizabeth and then they both like feel their babies move in their womb. And it's, oh, right. It's John the Baptist and Jesus, which I sort of love that image. Like I love Aww. that whole deal. And so it's basically, so it's this, it's her sort of, I do kind of remember hearing it at some point or learning about it because I remember that kind of image, right, of the two pregnant women. Mm -hmm. But I just remember it being like, oh, my gosh, God's been so good to me. I'm pregnant is sort of what I remember it. Yeah. But when you look at it, it says, see, it's long, but my soul doth (laughs) magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my savior, for he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. Ooh, the handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall called me blessed yeah I know. um so he she goes on to say he has put down the mighty from their seat and hath. Hu- i'm reading the old so the, the let's see the book of <laughs> common prayer version and hath exalted the humble and meek he filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away it's basically a uh it's kind of like socialisty <laughs> yeah it's all about like the rich were sent away and the poor are being lifted up. Uh, that's sort of the whole deal. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Roman Catholic translation. No, that's, that's what we want. All generations shall call me blessed. I guess we use that's probably one of our things of why Mary's yeah, a big blessing. deal. Um, yeah. Because he that is mighty hath done great things to me and holy is his name. And his mercy is from generation unto generation to them that fear him. He hath shewed might in his arm. What does that mean? He hath scattered scattered the proud in the conceit of their heart. He hath put down the mighty from their seat and hath exalted the humble. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent the empty away. He hath received Israel, his servant, being mindful of his mercy. He hath spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. His seed. Uh, And then that's the glory be. It ends with the glory be. Okay. Oh. It's all about casting down the powerful and the wealthy right. and raising up the poor and the powerless. 
Interesting. Through Mary. Yeah. Well, and it's sort of like that she's saying like, I'm pregnant. This is God lifting up the poor and putting down the rich. Mm hmm. Which I don't feel like that is the narrative that we're really given when we talk about that. She gives this whole monologue. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any other place in the Bible where Mary gives a monologue. Doubtful. (laughs) Um, And it's all about God lifting up the poor and casting down the rich and powerful and that feels important. That's huge. And that doesn't feel meek. No. It doesn't feel like meek and humble. It feels like, ha ha, we're coming. <laughs> we're coming for you. We're coming for you through this baby in my belly right now. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. What do you think? After hearing all of this, talking about Mary, do you think Mary is a positive figure for young Catholics or for Catholics in general? Or... Is she too submissive? So the obsession with her virginity irritates me clearly, (laughs) especially given the whole, like I said, the whole focus on like motherhood and the idea, like it goes along with this Catholic idea that sex is really only for procreation and it's like an almost a necessary evil. And Mm -hmm. so that's what, you know, like that motherhood is good, but the perfect mother actually doesn't have sex, but you're also supposed to have sex. So setting up impossible ideals. Yes, exactly. But I like, I do like the Mary imagery. I like the way it's been sort of appropriated or like, like we said, combined with maybe more ancient cultures and figures in India. I know in the South, um, like in Kerala and other places where I think even in, in Kolkata, where there is um, more Catholicism, there's Hindu goddesses who are seen Mm. as they were Hindu gods can be reincarnations of each other, kind of. And Mm -hmm. they're seen sort of as like reincarnations of Mary and they're worshipped as Mary, which I really love. And there's other cultures that do that, too. And so I'm into that whole piece of it. And I'm into the feminine, almost divine kind of imagery. Yeah. But the virginity stuff irritates me. What do you think? I'm a little torn as well i was reading a lot about how there's like a lot of feminist scholars that get mad about mary because she's considered she's equated with the word perpetual sorrow (laughs) but also like her humbleness and the fact that she just sort of all these things continue to be done to her yeah there's a lot of people who are angry about that story but i think in a religion where it's so male-centric Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, women can't become priests and, you know, the, the Pope's always a man and there's a, a man on a cross hanging over you the whole mass and that there was one female figure. And as I was doing this again, like I realized how much especially I always equate Catholicism with my grandmother, mm-hmm. too, and like how much my grandma was really praying to Mary more than anything. Yeah. With her rose because she did the rosary like every day. Mm-hmm. And I I guess that it, it does it reminds me of like folk Catholicism. It's like the the rituals and all like she's really tied to the ritual aspect of the church. Yeah. And that's the part that I like the most. Right. Me too. So I've got a soft spot for her. The virgin thing, again, I I so much of it is just like, that's her name. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that one needs to go. Like just let Jesus have siblings, because like I think that makes him cooler. Only children <laughs> no, I'm not gonna tell so only children. But like <laughs> but I think if they we want to have an ideal of a family, give mm-hmm. 
siblings, siblings. give them a healthy marriage like that yeah. makes more sense to me and if we're making it up anyway let's just make up something different <laughs> if it's no there's no proof of any of this and we're just deciding it oh look i found a sentence in the bible that says <laughs> but the proof was the holy spirit talking to the pope yeah i know well and the thing you said about humility i actually think rather that like there's a difference between making oneself small and having humility, I think, yeah. because I think humility, this is something that I feel like has come up for me a lot recently, just um, thinking about my position with a lot of political things is like mm. humility is actually really powerful because be. in order to actually be humble, it's not about making yourself small and it's not like insecure people can't really be humble because to be humble, you have to stand for something and feel strong in your position, like strong enough to say, I'm going to be wrong sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Because people who actually aren't secure in their power or in who they are, they can't say that they have to, they have to brag about themselves all the time. Right perhaps like a previous president we had this obsession with with talking about how great you are because it's like a doth I protest too much kind of a thing right like mm -hmm. you can't let those cracks show and I think thinking about the news that we brought today and this idea of the bishops the catholic bishops telling people how to feel about communion and how to feel that they really should be following church teaching versus the sisters of mercy talking about listening, mm -hmm. talking about listening and understanding. Like to me, that is that humility, right? And that is a very, I imagine many sisters of mercy would say that that is an ideal of Mary's right. that they are holding like this idea of listening. And I think she models good motherhood from what I can remember of the Bible. Like she stood by her son even when he was making a mess of their community like turning over tables in the temple and all that stuff yeah the whole water into wine thing she was like do something do it <laughs> do it I mean, she pushed him to be a bit more of who he was meant to be it seems like yeah my imagination of her when i was a kid was like oh she's a good mom like she she stands up for her kid when he believes in something. She's like, yeah, keep believing in it. And yeah, she lets him be who he is, even though it's like going to be a hard thing for her. It's not going to be easy. No. And that's going to be scary when you watch. All of it is scary. Oh, and knowing he's going to be killed. Like you're kind of told that from the beginning. Yes. And even we're in Advent right now, like the whole birth story, man, I have to tell you, after having a baby, the idea of, of like being on a donkey while I'm nine months pregnant and then giving birth in a barn, it really was like, yeah, that's terrifying. This is terrifying. This is a terrifying story. This is a horror story. This is. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it was like everything was done to make that baby not happen. Yeah. And then having to flee. Then they fleed. We don't talk about that part as much. We don't. Yeah. So I guess what we've discovered is we both do have a soft spot in our hearts for Mary. Yeah. We just don't believe in what the Catholic Church tells us about her virginity because they made it up. I feel like that's um, that's a lot of things in Catholicism. <laughs> <laughs> they made it up in 1950. No, the assumption. But it's nuts. It's nuts. And also we grew up with it and we have some soft spots in our hearts for like the aesthetics of it and the feel of it, if nothing How else. How do we? So many things. Well, of course, we only scratched the surface. There's a million more things. Um, we'll link to some of the stuff. But thank you, everyone, for joining yes. us on our Mary adventure. Thanks for joining us talking about BVM, Blessed Virgin Mary. 
which is a thing. Places are shortened to BVM. There's a church like near here. It's like near where I live. It's like, I thought you just made that up. I thought you were very cool. Things will be called BVM. I'm telling you. Google it. And it's, oh my gosh. it's a shortened. I feel like a very uncool Catholic right now. Which feels too cool for the Catholic Church, frankly. <laughs> All right, Steph. Well, also with you. And also with you, Anne. 